Amen. That's good. Give Scotty a hand this morning. Sometimes less is more, isn't it? Sometimes, man, we just it's, it, it, we need to peel things back. I can't remember who wrote the song, but the song was called A Heart of Worship. Let's get back to A Heart of Worship. Sometimes we add so many bells and whistles, we miss the, we miss the main thing sometimes, don't we? So thank you for that, Scotty. Hey, we're in Genesis. You guys enjoying going through Genesis? Man, I am. I, I'm enjoying it, and I'm, man, I'm learning a lot. And, you know, here's the thing, man. Bill and I, all the time, we want to challenge you guys. Don't just come on Sunday and hear what we've got to say about Genesis, okay? Go home, get into God's Word yourself, look at it and read it. And I, I'll challenge you. One of the things that I did that helped me a lot to understand, you know, because when I got saved, man, all I had was a Bible Mama gave me. Right, it was a it was a King James version, and I was reading that rascal man, and I was reading it, and I was like, man, I tell you, there's some thick. I got some thick stuff up in here, and and I just I couldn't get it. And I had a buddy at the gym told me, he said, man, get you look. There's new translations out there, okay. It doesn't take away from God's word, okay. A head covering is the same thing as a hat or a lid, so. Go get you a new, tra- new and that's, he turned me on to the New Living Translation. Okay, you get whatever works for you. But man, I start reading God's Word. I read it in one translation, then another translation, then another, tra- and the New American Standard or the New Century Version. I read it in multiple translations until I start understanding what it says, right? And then I go back and I'm like, wow, man, okay, I get it now. So I'm going to challenge you, man, to read God's Word for yourself, Okay. Don't just read it like some marathon, okay? I want to try to get through, you know, the Bible in three months. No, read it for understanding. And I tell you, man, God will reveal to you, okay? And then as he reveals things to you, we have those discussions in our small groups. And, man, that's discipleship. And we start learning. And I get your perspective and your perspective. And, your per- and you know that draws us closer to God. You know that? That all draws us because sometimes when you're looking at a motorcycle, what are you looking at? Come on, help me. Some of y'all looking at the motorcycle, what do you look at? Some of you looking at the motor, right? Some of you looking at the paint job. Some are looking at the handlebars. Some are looking at, I mean, we look at different stuff, don't we? So it's still a motorcycle, right? So we need all these different perspectives to help us grow and be the people that God wants us to be. Okay? And if we're not doing that, what's happening? We're missing out. We're missing out. So there's my challenge Right from Jump Street, okay? Uh, last week, Bill was in uh, the middle of uh, chapter 3 there. We went through 1 through 7, and uh, chapter 3, man, <laughs> the train went off the track, didn't it? Chapter 3, everything just messed up, right? Because Adam and Eve's disobedience, right? They disobeyed God and turned from God's truth, from God's word, and uh, last week, Bill shared truth or consequences, Right? God's truth. Because look, man, if it's not God's truth, there will be consequences. Right? Now, wait a minute. Let me back up. Even in God's truth, there are consequences. But I would so much rather pay the consequences of being in God's truth than the consequences of not being in God's truth. Right? There's consequences either way. Right? But in God's truth, I win. In God's truth, there's victory. Okay, even though there may be pain here for a little while, right? 
Because it is painful, man, if you're going to live for God, if you're going to live for, for the Lord, man. Uh, I ain't met a Christian yet that's living obediently for God that says, oh, man, this is the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. Right? It's hard. It's hard living for Jesus, but it's the most rewarding thing, right, that we'll ever do. So they've already tried to cover their nakedness, right? Their shame, their guilt. They're sewing fig leaves together. And the first time, for the first time, we saw that word, four-letter word, fear. For the first time, they're afraid, right? God comes down as he always did in the cool of the evening and fellowship with them. And instead of running to meet God, what do they do? They hide. Two things right there. Two things that you can underline, you can write down about our sinful nature. Two things about people, about mankind. That's everybody. Look at your neighbor. Say, that's you too, Bubba. There's fear. There's fear. And we hide. I ain't afraid of nothing. Fear is a part of your sinful nature. There's fear and we hide. And then God calls out to them. He already knows where they're at, right? Huh? He calls out. You know what he wants? He, he's wanting Adam to own it. He's wanting Adam to be a man. He's wanting Adam to admit, hey, Lord, I screwed up. I, I, I really jacked this up. He wants him to take responsibility. And that, that's a key thing to be a man. You know that? When we fail to take responsibility, we're failing to be the man God created us to be. That's why God, that's why God called out to him. He was giving Adam an opportunity to accept responsibility. Okay? And what did they do? Here's the third thing. When God starts asking questions, what's, what, what did they start doing? Hey, it was that woman. That woman you made me. And she blames the snake, right? The serpent deceived me. Look, was, they were all blaming God, right? God created the woman. God created the snake. So in essence, they're blaming God. Hey, it's your fault. So we're, we're, we're afraid. We're fearful. We hide. We blame. And then God pronounced a series of curses or consequences for their sin. There was consequences for the serpent, consequences for Satan, consequences for the woman and the man. And then even though God shares the consequences, he also shares a plan of redemption. He also shares a plan of rescue. If you look at Genesis 3.15, it says, look, I'm going to make you and the woman enemies to each other. Your descendants and her descendants will be enemies. Okay? One of her descendants will crush your head, although you're going to bite his heel. And then Bill's nutshell was, look, we have victory in Jesus. This is the short version he gave us, right? We have victory in Jesus Stick with God's truth and stand obediently with Him. Right? Even though we're living in the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin. You know that? We're still living in the consequences. Because there's fear, right? There's hiding, right? We blame, right? That happens, guys. So we, those things are still taking place. And... Here in the last part of chapter 3, God gives us 
in this, in this last part here, God gives us the rescue plan and the restoration plan. We call it in the church what? Help me. We, we are saved, right, in Christ. What's another word for being saved? Starts with an S. Long 50-cent word. Salvation, right? So here it is. Here's God's salvation plan. Because, see, man, God's not going to leave you hanging. Do you know God never leaves us hanging? Why, why would God do that? So God, God gives us a salvation plan right here in the last part of chapter 3, the most horrible part of the Bible, right? Because it's where Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and as a result, we're living in that sin with that sinful nature. So look at that. Genesis starting in chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Adam named his wife Eve. Eve, Hebrew, meaning life or living, right? Because she would become the mother of all living. And I don't know how you are, man, but when I read God's Word, stuff pops out at me and I go, wait a minute now. Didn't God in chapter 2 say, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you will surely die? Didn't God say that? He did, right? So God tells him that. And then they disobey and eat the fruit. And that, now there's, there's fear, there's hiding, there's blame, there's consequences for their disobedience and sin. And now Adam names his wife Eve. Adam names his wife Life. He gives her the name that means life or living. Does that not seem like that's kind of odd to y'all? Why, why would Adam do that? Again, go back to Genesis 3.15, right? God, speaking to the serpent or Satan, says, Look, I'm going to put en enmity, enmity, hostility, opposition, rivalry. I'm going to put conflict between you and the woman and between your offspring, seeds or descendants and hers. In other words, look, man, there's going to be a constant battle between Satan and his demons, right, and mankind. That's never going to stop. Guys, the battle's never going to stop. Some of us are praying. Some of us, because I, I talk to you, I see Facebook. You know, we go on there from time to time and I see. And some of us have the wrong perspective and we've got the wrong. Look, man, the battle's never going to stop. Stop praying for the battle to stop. It ain't going to stop. Satan is never going to stop. He's never going to stop tempting. He's never going to stop knocking on your door trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. It is not going to stop. Stop praying for that. Pray for power from Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, to get in you and pray to stand against it. Right? We're praying the wrong stuff. Because it's unbiblical to pray that. Because here's God's Word. It's not going to happen. Okay? The battle is constant, man. And it, but look at what he says. Look, your offspring, talking to the woman, is going to crush Satan's head. He gives her a promise. Okay? Keep in mind here what happened. Okay? They disobeyed. God said. Satan said. Did God really say? And they believed Satan over God, right? Now look, we know the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, don't we? What was the fulfillment of 3.15? Who crushed Satan's head? Right there. 
We wear crosses around our neck. We, I mean, the cross is the symbol of Jesus crushing Satan's head, right? Or was it? No, the cross was a symbol of Satan biting his heel. The resurrection is the symbol of Jesus crushing his head. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, bam, that put the last nail in the coffin for Satan, man. Because now through Jesus Christ, victory's been won through the resurrection. So the cross is Satan biting his heel, but the resurrection is crushing his head, okay? So don't, don't forget that there. Now, Adam and Eve didn't know, right? They had no idea who, they thought the first child born might have been the, the one that was going to crush Satan's head, right? I mean, wouldn't you? God didn't tell them. So the first offspring, you're thinking, man, that's the one, that's it. Well, he wasn't the one. There was even a murder, right? One of the boys killed the other boy. Right? Now, does Satan know? Satan didn't know either. Because God didn't tell him. Why do you think one of the boys killed the other one? Because Satan's trying to take out the one that's going to crush his head. Right? But look, we know the fulfillment. Look, that didn't come till 4,000 years after Adam and Eve sinned. Right? So think about that for a minute. Here, Adam and Eve, the first thing that gets him in trouble is a lack of faith and trust in God and God's Word. Isn't it? So, so God's given them an opportunity to do what? Look, man, you wouldn't listen to my word. You didn't believe me, and that's what got you here. Are you going to believe this promise? Are you going to believe me now? Are you going to put your faith and hope and trust, and are you going to believe? You going to believe me now? And look, the fact, that why, the, the fact that Adam names his wife Eve, life or living, what does that tell us? That tells us there was a change right there, man. I believe there was a change in Adam and Eve's heart. I believe there was a change in Adam and Eve's mind. And I believe repentance took place right there. I believe it happened. That's the first point today. The first point today, again, you know, God's sharing his, his rescue plan. God's sharing his restoration with us here in these four short, four, four verses, okay? The first point today, the first point is faith and trust in God and God's word. That, that's what got us in the sin to begin with, wasn't it? They didn't have faith in God and God's word. Satan tempted them. And, and, and created doubt and distrust, so they ate the fruit that God said not to eat. So that's the first thing in salvation, man. So I want you to think about your own salvation today. I want you to think, about, look, we got this sinful nature, right? Do I have faith and trust in God, even though I'm living in the consequences of sin, right? Even though we're where we're at, right? Do I have faith and trust in God? Look, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Too many people are wanting to see it. Man, I've had people tell me, well, if God if God will show it to me, then, then I'll believe. That's not biblical. You think God's going to show it to you? Hasn't he already? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Has he not already showed us? 
Through their faith, listen to this, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we see did not come from anything that can be seen. It didn't just appear out of nothing. It didn't appear from what was here. There was nothing here. Then later in verse 6, he says, look, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And in Romans 5.1, therefore, in chapter 4 he was talking about Abraham and Abraham's faith. So he says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by what? Faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Now again, Jesus didn't come to 4,000 years later, okay? So Adam and Eve, what are, what are they basing their faith on? One thing, God's Word. God said it, and either I'm going to believe it, I'm going to put my faith, hope, and trust in what God said, guys, or I'm not. And it's that simple. That's the first, the first plan there of salvation, the first point. Faith and trust in God and God's Word. Well, now, how do you know? Come on, J.D., how do you know repentance? Man, that was, you know, how do you know repentance really took place? Well, look at verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. God, God, you know God was a biker. He, it's biblical. It is, it's biblical. He made leathers. He didn't plant no cotton. He didn't set up no cotton weave and make cotton, you know, linen for Adam and Eve. No, he made leathers. God was a biker. He was. God took the life of an innocent animal. Now, we don't know what it was. We assume it was a goat or a sheep. He takes, this is the first time death has happened in the Bible. Okay? Adam and Eve, nobody, Adam and Eve never seen death before. God chose the animal, listen to this, chose the animal, he took the life of the animal, then he took the skin of the animal, he made the garments for Adam and Eve. God clothed them, God covered them. Why would God do that if repentance hadn't took place? And Adam and Eve see this for the first time. Death. Adam and Eve remember. I got to believe Adam's remembering. Wow. God said if I ate the fruit, I'm going to surely die. That's going to be me one day. And they didn't know if it was going to be tomorrow. They didn't know when it was going to be. But they knew God said I'm going to die. Now here's death, right? And can you imagine how they felt? They've never witnessed death before. And, and God takes the life of this animal just to cover me. To cover my shame. To cover my guilt. My nakedness. And, and right here is the foundation, man, for the, for the sacrificial system in the Bible, right? In, 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 in with the Hebrew people. Okay? It didn't start with Moses. It started right here with God. God did that, right? 
And, and what, what is it? What is this whole sacrificial system? It's payment for sin. What's another fancy word for payment? It starts with an A. Atonement. There has to be atonement for sin, right? You know, God was offended because of disobedience. Somebody's got to pay for the offense, right? So in other words, here, here we get this animal was a substitute, okay? It was substitutionary atonement is what it's called through this animal. Now, did it take all their sins away? Did, it, did that animal skins, did that death of that animal restore Adam and Eve, rescue Adam and Eve? No. It was a temporary, it was a substitutional payment, right? Atonement. But Hebrews 9.22 says this, look, in fact, the law requires everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Why? Why, why, why we got to shed blood? Because God said, if you eat from this, you're going to die. Okay? They ate from it. Death now is required. So God has established a system of sacrifice, right? Now today, 4,000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, there's no need now for a sacrificial system, right? Because Jesus, unlike, unlike this animal that God killed, Jesus is not a substitutionary payment. He's the payment, right? Because, guys, Jesus was God. See, man, a man couldn't make the payment. There's no man alive from Adam until one that was just born a few seconds ago. There's no man, woman alive, that can pay the price for sin. Only God could do that. So God in Jesus Christ, came down, became human, so he could die and be the atonement, be the payment for our sin. And see, that's the second point of God's rescue and restoration. That's the second point of, of this plan of salvation. There's only one sacrifice that's worthy. Only one that can atone. Only one that pays in full. What did Jesus say on the cross? Tetelestai. Paid in full. And that's Jesus Christ. Because he's God's sacrifice. Without Jesus, guys, there's no atonement for our sin. Okay? Without Jesus, there is no payment. See, without Jesus, when we die, we leave planet Earth, we stand before a holy God, there's going to be, you know, He's going to look up my name or your name, and, and, and if we don't have the Holy Spirit in here, which is a seal that we're in Christ, then He's going to look in and say, hey man, there's still a debt that you haven't paid. Or it's going to be, wow, J.D., Paid in full. Paid in, man, ain't that a great word to hear? Huh? Paid in full? It ain't going to happen without Jesus, guys. John 3, 16. This is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes or puts their faith and trust in Him will not perish but have eternal life. See, guys, 
we got to get in the right frame of mind here. Eternal life is not going to heaven. It's not. Eternal life is being restored to a right relationship with God the Father. That's eternal life. Heaven is a byproduct of that. Okay? We, we've got it mixed up. Well, we, we, we won't, you don't want to go to hell and burn forever, do you? Don't you want to go to heaven? Well, yeah, sign me up for heaven. But we miss the relationship with Jesus. Okay? Without that relationship with Jesus, there is no heaven. Okay? Look, man, I don't care where heaven's at. I don't care. I just want to be restored to God, right? I want to be, I want to be rescued and restored to Him. And wherever heaven is, I don't care. Because if that's right, everything else is going to be in eternal life, right? Look at John 17, 3. He don't say nothing about heaven. It says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true living God, and Jesus Christ you sent. Nothing in there about heaven. That's, what, that's from Jesus. 1 John, 1 John 2, 2. He himself, meaning Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones, pays for our sin. And not only our sin, but the sins of the world. And if you look at Hebrews 9, it says in verse 12, Christ entered the most holy place only once and for all time. He did not take with him the blood of goats and calves. His sacrifice was his own blood, and by it he set us free from sin forever. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a cow are sprinkled on the people who are unclean. This makes their bodies clean again. How much more is done by the blood of Christ? He offered himself through the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a perfect sacrifice to God. His blood will make our conscience pure from useless acts so we may serve the living God. That's amazing. And I want you to notice something, man. God provided the sacrifice. God took the life of the sacrifice. God clothed Adam and Eve. You know the same thing happens with us? There's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. Satan wants to do everything he can right now. To jack this message up. Okay? Don't let Satan win right now, okay? Because I can get loud. Turn it up. So look, verse 22, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. So the Lord God, man, this is cruel. This is horrible. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Some translations say God drove him out. That's messed up. Adam and Eve didn't pack their, uh, well, they didn't have need packing, did they? They only had one set of leathers. <laughs> they, they, did, they didn't just get up and walk out. God banished them. God drove them out, right? After he drove the man out, not only did he drive him out, look, 
after he drives the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, which is a holy angel, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And God's cruel. That's horrible. Why would a loving God do that? In eating the fruit that God told them not to eat, their eyes were open and they became like God. They were not God. But they became like God in the knowledge of good and evil, right? And, and here again, the Trinity is shared. Because God said, look, they become like us. Well, who's us? Right? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But it's so cruel, man, to drive them out. You know, it, it really isn't. Here we see an example of God's love for us. See, if God would have allowed them to stay in the garden, and if they had eaten from the tree of life, what would have happened? They would have lived forever in that sinful state. They would have lived forever with that sin nature because Jesus hadn't come yet, right? Genesis 3.15 hadn't taken place yet because she ain't had no kids. God said it's going to come from your offspring, one that's going to crush Satan's head. They would have stayed in that state of mind forever. Now, look, they'd already, Satan had already tricked them and tempted her to eat the fruit just by saying, did God really say? So do you think God's going to let them stay in the garden? What do you think Satan's going to do? Satan's going to tempt them. Keep in mind, they just saw death for the first time. They see death for the first time, knowing that's going to happen to them, and Satan's going to come along and say, hey, 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 that tree of life, you won't have to face death if you just eat from the tree of life. But if they'd have done that, it would have kept them in that sinful state forever. You know what it would have done? They'd have been separated from God forever. When God wants to restore us. And that's the whole plan of salvation. Man, don't, 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 get, so, don't get so wrapped up in the churchy language, the churchy words. See, salvation means God's, it's God's plan of rescue and restoration to bring us back to the right relationship with Him. So see, when you break it down that way and you think about it, That helps me understand. That helps me see God's picture, God's plan. And so many times, man, we get wrapped up in the churchy words that we miss what God's doing here. Because the fellowship has been broken. Because of their disobedience, fellowship has been broken. God wants to restore that. Okay? And more than anything else, man, Satan wants to separate us from God forever. So God drives them out. Here it is, man. Here's the third point. The third point of salvation is God plans for or God orchestrates our eternal security. And our eternal security is only in one. It's only in Jesus Christ. God was protecting them to make sure that one day through their faith and trust in Him, Jesus Christ would restore them, rescue them, or restore them. Now, well, how does that happen? Jesus don't come to 4,000 years later. Well, it comes by faith, guys. 
It comes by faith. Whether it's before the cross or after the cross, our eternal security is still based on faith and trust in God's word and Jesus' sacrifice. Before the cross or after the cross? Now, everybody before the cross, when Jesus died, it was retroactive. They didn't see it. They couldn't see it. But they had faith and they had trust that one day God said it. I believe it's true. They died in their faith. And then when Jesus came along 4,000 years later, Adam and Eve were rescued and restored. Now, can I wrap my mind around all of that? Can I explain all of that? No, I'm not God. Guys, that's what faith and trust is. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, look, you are saved, or think about salvation. Salvation is by, another way to say that, grace through what? Faith. And this is not from yourselves. Praise God, I don't have to understand it. Right? Hey, that's what I think he's saying right here. You ain't got to figure it out. You ain't got to understand it. You know what? Look at the next four words. Help me say it together. It is is God's gift. It's God's gift. Not from works. In other words, J.D., there's nothing you can do. Put your name in there, right? So that nobody can boast. Because if we could do it, we would sure be boasting about it, wouldn't we? And then look at Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16. Look, all these people died, still believe. talking about Old Testament people, right? Before the cross. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith, right? We got hall of fames, right? This is the hall of faith. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place. A heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Now, as I was praying through this and going through this, I thought, you know, okay, God provides our eternal security in Jesus Christ. Okay? I get that. But how, how does that relate to today? How does that relate to our situation? That was Adam and Eve. And you, okay, I get, I get God kicking them out of the... Driving them out of the garden because they would have been tempted to eat the tree of life. Okay, I can get that. I wrap my mind around that. But how does that relate to us today? Well, today, man, a lot of people, some of us sitting here online, some of us, we may be rejecting and denying God because of some horrible circumstance that we're in. Stuff that's happened to us consequences of living in a sinful world. Anybody going through some stuff? Hey, let me tell you. It's October. Anybody been through some stuff this past this year? Okay, your time's coming if you didn't raise your arm. Just saying. It's going to happen. Within a year or two, some horrible stuff because we live in a sinful fallen world is going to happen to you. Okay? It's just going to happen. And what seems to be cruel and harsh, because sometimes we can't get over it. 
I'm just, oh, I'm telling you, man. I, we just can't. Sometimes things happen that we just can't get past. We lose a loved one or an illness or a sickness or whatever the case may be. Okay? But I really believe, man, sometimes it's God's provision and God's protection for our eternal security. In 1997, man, I was the most miserable human being on planet Earth. I had everything a man could want. But I was miserable. And I'd get on my motorcycle, man. I'd ride through downtown Cary or Raleigh. I, I mean, I, I, I speed now and I shouldn't. But, man, back then I was, I was flying, man. I, would, because I was just hoping a bus or a truck would pull out in front of me and take me out of my misery. I was too much of a coward to take my own life. But, you know, if you're on your motorcycle going fast and somebody hits you, then praise God that didn't happen. Because I, I, was, I was struggling with this sin nature. I was struggling living in this fallen world. Now, nothing horrible had happened to me. I was just miserable because I was miserable. Why? Had everything in the world I could want. Why was I so miserable? Because we live in a fallen world. Because we live in a sin. That, because we're not designed to be separated from God. We're designed to be in a right relationship with Him. That's where the misery was coming from. Look at this. Psalm 138.7 Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Guys, I believe with all my heart, God allows some things to happen in our life for our eternal security. Because if that hadn't have been me in 1997, I wouldn't have given my life to Christ February 15, 1998. God allowed that misery, God allowed that suffering, so I would come to salvation. So I would come to Him. And sometimes, man, we, we, we do all that we can do to save somebody from their suffering when it's God orchestrating that to bring them to eternal security. Sometimes we become a barrier to what God's doing in somebody's life to bring them to Him. Man, don't do that, okay? Don't, 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 let's don't be a barrier. Now, not, not everything is that. I'm not saying all suffering is God trying to you know, bring us to an eternal salvation. Some suffering is just suffering because we live in a fallen world, right? Uh, but God's plan and purpose is wrapped up in all of that. Romans 8, 28. Look, we know that all things work for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose, right? I think all suffering, I think God allows everything for one purpose. And what is that? To bring us back to Him. Everything. I think everything on planet Earth it happens. God allows it to happen to draw us back to a right relationship to be restored to God. It doesn't seem that way, but I really believe that. So isn't that eternal security? I think that, that applies to us today, even though we can't wrap our mind around it. You know, how Adam and Eve dealt with it. But I think for us today, think about your circumstance. Think about your situation. Whatever you're going through, whatever comes in the future. I think God is using that to draw us closer to Him. 
So here Adam and Eve, they go from a perfect environment with God. And this hit me this week. They go from God's presence, they go from God's fellowship, they go from God's provision, right? A place of perfection. And now, now they're put outside of that. God drives them away from that because of their sin. And on top of that, look man, they're living now with this sinful nature, right? Constant temptation and an adversary that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy me and separate me from God forever. Wow, talk about your world being rocked. Huh? That's us. Guys, that, that's us. But we were born into it. We've been conditioned by it. You see how much of a punk Satan is? We've been conditioned to live without the presence of God, without the fellowship of God, without the provision of God in this imperfect place called planet Earth. And God sent Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to restore that. To restore His presence, His fellowship. And his provision. And I want you to notice something here. In, in Adam and Eve, in the language, in the language in which this was written, and, and Adam, going back to the first verse, he gives his wife the name Eve, which means life, living. Here's the fourth point. And the, the fourth point here is a byproduct of the first three. Okay? They had great hope. How in the world could they live in this and have hope? Because God said, I'm bringing somebody, one of your offspring, that's going to crush Satan's head. This shows me now that there's been repentance in Adam and Eve's head and in their heart. And they're living with hope. They're, they're now trusting, putting their faith in God's word, right? Not hoping themselves, not hoping the world, not hoping their ability, their intellect, their ingenuity, their success. No, they're putting their hope in God's promise. Someday, Adam, Eve, one of your offspring, they're going to come, and although Satan's going to bite his heel, he's going to crush Satan's head. And then I'm going to restore through that, through your offspring, Notice it wasn't Adam's offspring. Eve's offspring. Because the Holy Spirit, because it's God. Okay? It's not a seed of Adam. It's God's seed in Jesus. I'm going to restore you to my presence. I'm going to restore you to my fellowship. I'm going to restore you to my provision. Well, can you wait for that day? Can you imagine that day? Their hope was in God and His promise, right? And, and, and what was the promise? The promise was God's plan of salvation wrapped up right there in four little verses. The promise of rescue and restoration to a holy God. You know, I looked up the definition of hope, biblical hope. It says to trust in, wait for, 
look for or desire something or someone or to expect something beneficial in the future. Apart from what we've just heard today, apart from God's plan of salvation, is there anything else that's beneficial for our future? I mean, can there be anything else more beneficial for your future starting right now, this very second, than God's plan of salvation? To be restored through Jesus to His presence, His fellowship, and His provision? It's only through faith and trust in God and God's Word. It's only through Jesus' death and resurrection, that payment, which is the only payment that pays it in full. Eternal security in Him, regardless of where we are, what our circumstance is. And then a hope that doesn't disappoint, a hope that allows us to go through anything. See, with that plan of salvation, guys, we can go through anything here on planet Earth. You can endure anything on planet Earth. Now, if you, don't read, if you don't believe that, just read the book of Job. Look at Job's life. What Job went through. And he said, look, man, if God, I don't care if God kills me, I'm still going to serve him. That was Job's attitude. So today, man, I'm going to finish up with a couple of verses and read. And, and, and I want you to listen to this. This is about hope. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Look, we can rejoice when we run into problems. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and, and our endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthened our, what? Confident hope of what? Isn't that what we've been talking about? And this hope, when, this hope, not some manufactured hope in the world, no, this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. How do, you, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? How do you fill your heart up with love through the Holy Spirit? There's only one way. Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, accepting Him, faith and trust in Him. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Look, we, we, and He said, look, we don't give up. Look, our physical body is becoming older and weaker. Who's getting older and weaker? If you're breathing, you're getting older and weaker. Right? I got stuff that hurts I didn't think could hurt. Our body is becoming older and weaker. But I, listen to this. But our spirit inside is made new every day. We have small troubles for a, now, a while now. But they're helping us gain an eternal glory that's much greater than the troubles. We set our eyes not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. What we will see, or what we see will last only a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. In 1 Peter 1, 3-9, Peter wrote this. He said, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us a new birth into a... A what? Now you see why Adam named his wife Eve. Life, living. Guys, they had a living hope. Okay? Even though they were 
in the most horrible situation they could possibly be in. They had a living hope. But Peter says it's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation, of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, okay, I get it, I get it, Peter says. Look, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though for now, or in a little while, you may have to had suffering, grief, and all kinds of trials. These have come, so the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Guys, that's just securing our, 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 our relationship in Christ is all it does. And it, as we experience things like that, guys, it shouldn't push me away from God. It should push me harder and closer to Him. Though you've not seen Him, verse 8, you've not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you, don't, you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. I don't know your situation today. I don't know what you're going through. I, spiritually, I don't, I don't know where we are. It's not my responsibility to know that. My responsibility is to share the truth of God's word. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can save. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring salvation. But man, I'm going to tell you something. Do you have this kind of living hope today? Even though we're living in a sinful world, right? Even though we're, we're separated. I mean, I've got the Holy Spirit of God in me, so I've got God's presence here, right? Because we're on this side of the cross, right? The Old Testament folks didn't get to experience that. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They just had faith. But man, we've got the Holy Spirit of God in us. If we've tasted this salvation. We've got God's presence here. We have the fellowship with Him here. We have His provision. Man, do you need anything more than the Holy Spirit in your life? If you've got that, don't you have all that you need? But you know, so many of us, man, we, we're trying to figure it out on our own. You know, we're still living in fear. We're still hiding. We're still blaming Instead of recognizing God's plan of salvation and running to Him and accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior and then being restored and being rescued. And why do we do that? Well, because when we ate, when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, what does Satan say? Oh, you'll be like God. See, we think we're God of our own circumstances, we're God of our own life. I can handle it when, guys, we can't. We believe, they believe the lie. And, and we have that same nature in us. We believe the lies that Satan has told us. So I want to encourage you today. Now go back and read this for yourself. Go back and look at God's plan of salvation in these four short, short verse, verses here, man. God's plan to restore God's plan to rescue us. His sacrifice. Have you, allowed, have you allowed Him to cover you today? Would you allow 
him to cover you today. Scotty, come. I'm going to read one more verse to you and pray. Romans 15, 13, Paul wrote this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, guys, in our, in our confident hope of salvation, with God's plan of salvation, there's an overflowing that should be more than evident in our life. We should have such great impact and influence in this world because we're overflowing. Overflowing not with, with our own man-made ways of salvation. No, we're overflowing with, with a living hope. His salvation, His plan of salvation. Trust and faith in Him, right? Jesus' sacrifice, the only, the only sacrifice that's going to cover it, pay it in full. My eternal security, and then a living hope. A living hope that other people see before I ever open my mouth, right? That causes them to be drawn to Jesus Christ. Man, I pray you guys have that kind of living hope. I pray that's the kind of fruit that people see in our church, in each and every one of us. And I pray if you don't, I pray God just absolutely wears you out until you surrender to Him. Father, I pray right now that you use the words today. Use these four short verses, Lord, to draw us to you if we don't know you. Lord, if there's never been a time in our life where, where we, we recognize that we were hiding and we recognize that we were blaming, we, we've never surrendered, we've never submitted to you to let you cover us. We really don't have a faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray for that today. I pray for that salvation to take place. Lord, we don't have to have all the answers. We don't, we don't have to have everything figured out. And Father, for those of us that, that has happened in our life, but because of the circumstances that have taken place, because of the sinful world that we live in, Lord, we're just, we're not where we need to be. We've, we've kind of drifted. Lord, this plan of rescue and restoration puts us back where we need to be. Gets us back in the current of following you. Father, I don't know where everybody's at. I know where I want everybody to be. I want us all to be in that sweet spot, Lord. Restored to your presence, in your fellowship, with your provision. And a living hope that just rocks this world. Change our hearts and minds, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.